Welcome to the Hills. And Merry Christmas to all of you, whether you're in person at North Richmond Hills, West Fort Worth, Keller Campus, or whether you're joining us around the world and watching online. I really do hope these next few days will be full of delight as you gather and reunite with those that you love the most. And some you have reunited with have been away at college. And perhaps if that's you, you haven't had time to do your Christmas shopping. So I'm going to help you out and give you a tip. There is a professor at East Connecticut State University named Mike Adams who did research on why the mortality rate for women who have grandchildren in college is higher than women whose grandchildren chose not to go to college. It all comes down to fear. They worry about their grades. He found that the risk of a medical event is 10 times higher during uh, midterm exams and 19 times higher for these women during final exams. And so, if you just got back from college, let me suggest this Christmas, you go to your grandmother and you say, Grandma, because I love you so much, I am dropping out of school. <laughs> now, that may not be the best idea, but wouldn't it be great if we could give a gift to someone that would take away their fear? When you read the birth narratives of Jesus in the Gospels, two words appear over and over again. The word fear and the word joy. And I suspect it's because it's one of those two responses that tend to sum up how most people's lives are centered. In other words, most people live either predominantly fearful or predominantly joyful. Now, fear dominates when that on which the heart is set can be threatened. And joy rules when that on which the heart is set is unassailable. And that's why people who really get Christmas live with a fearless joy. So read with me from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so you find that phrase throughout the birth narratives. Do not be afraid. There is something about Christmas that should make those of us who believe the story courageous. 
So the angel says to these shepherds, do not be afraid. Now they were, and, and they were terrified. In fact, the literal language says they were mega scared. But the angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And literally the language says mega joy. So let me ask you, has the news that you have been receiving lately been producing great joy in you or great fear? Because my guess is if you've been getting your news from the typical sources, you are dealing with dread all the time. Inflation and economic woes. War in Ukraine. War in the Middle East. Climate change. Social unrest. Inept government where officials would rather posture than actually govern. But let's take it from a global to a personal level. Did you get news recently from your employer that it wasn't a good year and your job future could be tenuous or from a school counselor who said your child is struggling in some area I know I'm talking to someone right now who recently heard from a doctor and the news wasn't good we deal with getting bad news all the time, just like the shepherds did. They lived in a land that was occupied by an oppressive army. They were ruled by a king who was ruled by paranoia to the point that his way to solve any problem was just to kill people. They lived a meager existence just day to day hoping to have some bread. And it's to these that the angels say, do not be afraid. In other words, the angel is not saying, hey, just put on a happy face. What the angel says is there is good news for people who are always getting bad news. There is good news for people in hard times. There is a joy that is available and attainable that is more mega than any current fear you're dealing with. That the message of Christmas enables us to live above the circumstances that take most people under. And this kind of bold joy was modeled by the very first Christians. It was their strongest witness. There's even a story in the book of Acts about the apostles getting beaten for faith in Jesus. And it says they left rejoicing they could suffer for him. And no one knew quite what to do with this fearless joy. They still don't. The last century, Britain's uh, perhaps greatest author and satirist was a man named Malcolm Muggeridge. He was the son of socialist father. He was a, a Marxist. He wrote articles in Britain defending and extolling the Soviet Union. In fact, he was in Moscow doing a story on the death of religion in that atheistic state. When his interviews were concluded, it was Easter Sunday, he decided to attend a Russian Orthodox church. It was packed. 
The priest stood up and said, he is risen. And everyone shouted back, he is risen indeed. And when Muggeridge saw the joy on their faces, he knew instantly Stalin was wrong and they were right. And their inexplicable and fearless joy launched him on a pilgrimage that caused him to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. There is a news we can live with and live by that is more mega than all of the bad news around us. A news that can give us fearless joy. What is this news? Well, according to the angel, one part of it is this, that sin will not win. The angel said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Well, why do you need a savior? What do you need saving from? Well, the angel told Joseph, she'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The reason there was a Christmas is because the world was a mess. The world is a mess. You and I are a mess. Now, we can pretend, and we know how to preen, but deep down, we know we're all pretty jacked up. And none of us is going to pass the just be good enough test, which is why I think most people are afraid of God. Because for most people, God is more like Santa Claus. Oh, he's watching. When you're sleeping and when you're awake, and he's making a list, and he's checking it twice, and he's going to find out you've been naughty. In fact, now he's got Elf on the Shelf 24-7 surveillance to give irrefutable proof that you mess up all the time. Listen to me. Jesus didn't come to post our wrongs. He came to pay for them. There's a reason God put on a body. He wanted to be visible, touchable, and nailable. The essence of sin is that I put myself where only God ought to be. And the essence of salvation is God is willing to put himself where I should have been. So he lived this sinless life so that he could die a sinner's death and take my penalty and your penalty on himself so that he could offer us his righteousness. What I'm saying is that God isn't making a list and checking it twice. God is nailing that list to a cross and destroying it forever. He knew we were jacked up and he came anyway and chose to be lifted up in our place And one reason joy does not leave me is because if God is like that, then he will never leave me. And not just me. God so loved the world that he gave his son. The angel said this good news will create joy for all the people. And that's why this news is so mega. Because the call is for all. It came to shepherds. You understand in their day, shepherds were considered unreliable, uneducated, unscrupulous. You couldn't take their testimony into court. 
Christmas reminds us that God shows up where he's least expected to meet those considered least deserving. Think about it. Who's important in the Christmas story? Joseph and Mary are no names. Anna, Simeon, Zechariah, Elizabeth, nobodies. Shepherds, absolute bottom on the social status ladder. Magi, they're foreigners, they're unclean. But what Christmas reminds us is that no one is a two to God. No one's too young, no one's too old. No one's too broke. No one's too broken. No one's too foreign. Now, this time of year, we like to get out our favorite Christmas albums. Maybe yours is Bing Crosby or Not King Cole or The Carpenters or Mariah Carey or Michael W. Smith or maybe, of course, Alice Cooper. Don't we all love his Christmas album? (laughs) At the height of his fame as a rock star, he was a messed up man, battling demons that a bottle of whiskey a day wasn't fixing. His marriage is in jeopardy. His wife, in desperation, starts attending a church and finally says, if you want to stay in this marriage, you're coming with me. And he went and he heard good news. And Alice Cooper gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he says, now I get to give my testimony to some of the most famous rock stars in the world. And here's what might surprise you, he says. Those that you might consider to be the most vile and vulgar are those that want to hear my story the most. Because the call is for all. We're all messed up. We're all equally infected with sin. And we're all equally invited by God. God so loved the world that he sent his son. That whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life that's my favorite word in the bible whoever we are all citizens of whoville and the scripture says that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life is gone a new life has begun i've shared many times that christmas has been different for me ever since 1980 When my papa, Archie, died on Christmas Day. My papa battled alcoholism most of his life. My mother never grew up attending church or hearing good news. It was bad news all those years she grew up. But at the age of 56... My papa surrendered his life to Jesus. And he became a new and changed man. He died too young, the consequences of years of abuse. But on Christmas Day, I think of my papa. It doesn't make me sad. It fills me with joy. Christmas Day is when my papa saw Jesus face to face. Because the call is for all. And because of Christmas, you never have to wonder if God is for you. 
even when everything seems against you. Because that's how it often feels, right? This world is broken and messed up. And even we, every day, see evidence of decay. It's like the old men at a diner having coffee together. And one guy says, my arm is too weak to lift up my cup of coffee. Next guy says, well, my cataracts are so bad, I can't see my cup of coffee. Next guy said, my hand is so crippled, I can't sign a check for my coffee. Next guy says, huh? What are y'all saying? I can't hear you. Another guy says, well, I can't turn my neck to tell you because my arthritis is so bad. The other guy says, I can't stand up because my blood pressure medicine makes me dizzy. I guess this price of getting old. Finally, a guy says, I think we should count our blessings. At least we're still driving. (laughs) You see, joy is here to stay no matter what comes our way because we know who has come our way. And that's why the news is so mega because now we can cope with hope. What makes us so afraid? We ask what if. Fear is driven by the realization the future doesn't answer to us. The universe does not recognize your sovereignty and is never going to do exactly what you want. One of my favorite poems is written by a woman named Judith Fjors. It's called If I Were in Charge of the World, and it was penned through the eyes of an eight-year-old boy. If I were in charge of the world, I'd cancel oatmeal, Monday mornings, allergy shots. If I were in charge of the world, there'd be brighter nightlights, healthier hamsters, and basketball baskets 48 inches lower. If I were in charge of the world, you wouldn't have lonely, you wouldn't have clean, you wouldn't have bedtimes, or don't punch your sister, you wouldn't even have sisters. If I were in charge of the world, a chocolate sundae with whipped cream and nuts would be a vegetable. All 007 movies would be G. And a person who sometimes forgot to brush and sometimes forgot to flush would still be allowed to be in charge of the world. But you don't get to be in charge of the world. And many of us right now are dealing with mega challenges over which we have very little control. But our hope can be more mega than our fears because we know God started something when he sent Jesus to Bethlehem that even the gates of hell cannot stop. The angel said to Mary, he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of King David, his ancestor. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. The reason our joy can last It's because God started something in a manger in Bethlehem that is going to be everlasting. There is someone who's in charge of the world. And because he is, everything I'm dealing with, no matter how mega it is, can either be removed or it can be redeemed. Jesus entered a virgin womb and he left an empty womb. And now he sits on a throne that can never be overthrown. The scripture says God has put Christ over all rulers, authorities, powers, and kings, not only in this world, but also 
in the next. And so joy is here to stay no matter what comes our way. Because we know who has come our way. And we know he is coming again. Yeah, the world's a mess, but we have a Messiah. And the Messiah is coming. And when he does, sin will have no power. Death will have no place. Sorrow will have no presence. And the king will have no rival. That is mega good news. And that is why those of us who get Christmas can live with fearless joy. So, recently I heard a story about an older woman who got a serious cancer diagnosis. Her family came to see her at Christmas, and she insisted on going to a church and a candlelight service. And her granddaughter said, Grandma, why do we light candles at Christmas? And she said, we light candles to tell the darkness that we beg to differ. And I love that answer. We beg to differ. The news that is making everyone else so afraid must surrender to the news that we have received. His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. He breaks every stronghold. He shines through the shadows. He burns like fire. And these candles are our way of saying, I am going to center my heart on good news that brings great joy. I am facing a new year, but I will not face it filled with fear. I will face it with good cheer. Because light has come to the world. And the light is coming again. So let me pray for you and then we will light candles. Would you stand for my prayer? So God, we acknowledge the world is messed up. And every day we are given new reasons to let fear take control. But we resist every message that diminishes the message of Christmas. That a king has come. He is on the throne. And it changes everything. And we light these candles to declare we will not center our hearts on that which makes us afraid. But we will be cemented by the news that gives us great joy. That Jesus has come. And Jesus is coming again. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.